Let me finish this drink right quick. Because you know what recording a Michigan podcast takes these days? What's that? Liquid courage. <laughs> it, just like watching a Michigan football game. <laughs> uh, it's kind of where we're at with this Michigan football team. I've been sober for every single uh, every single game this year. <laughs> you are a much stronger man than me, Stephen. How many <laughs> how many times have you watched rewatched the football games as well? Oh man, I got to average at least four. <sighs> sober each time. Sober each time. Progress- you gotta analyze it, man. How are you gonna analyze drunk? I, I don't know. I actually feel like I'm a better analyst drunk than not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. Tweets, That's how you operate. Tweets go flying. <laughs> For the record, no, it's not how I operate. Excuse me. Uh, I, I think most football fans feel a little bit more confident with their takes after, after a drink or two. So, we're here, right? You're there. If you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely going to be watching the Notre Dame game later tonight. That's it. We're here to provide some fun conversation, some fun Michigan football related adjacent conversation for the next uh, hour or so. Yeah. Um, we're going to have fun with it because you know what? We have not recorded podcasts in a few weeks. It's been a hot second. Partially because you're in Eastern Europe um, teaming up with Rudy Giuliani and <laughs> and figuring out how to how to not collude over there um and also partially because of my busy schedule yeah and also the uh the the new child that is probably driving you a little bit crazy now have you ever like are there any dark thoughts that like in the middle of the night it's 3 a.m you're super comfy and then you wake up to just the the worst sound that you could ever wake up to just a screaming child. It's too well. Do you ever have dark thoughts? <laughs> Every single second, it's within the three to four o'clock hour that you're awake. Yeah. The, the thing is, the thing is about having a newborn, having a child at all, yeah. that wakes up specifically between the three to four o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. I think mean, you nailed something right there. You literally just don't know what's going on in life. Like your brain yeah. just cannot process the fact that you are awake at three thirty in the morning. It just yeah. there, there's just no way unless you're experienced with a night shift or something uh, at a job. There's just no way. There's just no way to prepare. Right? Right. So, so like literally everything is just <laughs> like specifically binkies. AKA Binky. pacifiers. Yes, yes. So, so these things, and you'll learn. And and if you don't have kids and listen to this podcast, you'll learn one day. Um, they're they're like silicone bouncy balls. They are bouncy balls, but they're jacks at the same time. You know, jacks. When you they play, they bounce. They, I did not know they. Bounce. Steven, they don't just bounce. <laughs> they, they fly. If you've okay, if you've ever seen a football fumble where no yeah. one's around and you just don't know which direction the ball is going to bounce. Yeah. That is a binky, except <laughs> except for the fact that they're like super balls, where they just bounce yeah. wh- whichever direction they bounce, they bounce like five feet. So it's three o'clock in the morning. The baby's binky is falling out of their mouth, hits yep. the floor, and just bounces in a random direction, and you're just like playing. Where the f is this binky? Yeah, right? it's, over under ten are missing in your home right now. <laughs> uh, we've actually we've only got three. 
Oh wow! Okay, but two of them are good. two of them are missing. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, that's lower than I thought. Oh, I mean, we could afford to have a few more. Actually, we I'm had sure. we had a crisis today, um, <laughs> because the oldest daughter left the house, and she was the last one with the child with the last remaining binky, oh. and we couldn't find that binky anywhere. Of course. So from the hours of like five p.m. to nine p.m., me and the missus were sweating. Profusely. You were you were on search alert. Being yeah, alert. yeah. Oh, yes. yes, we all of the all of the covers, all of the yes. uh, couch cushions, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yeah, it's it's fun having a dog. You know, I've never had a dog. I'm not a dog person. Mm-hmm. But I'm a child person. I have way too many children. I collect children. <laughs> three yes. three daughters, to be exact. You have a dog. What, don't dogs potty train? Just like kids. I mean, yeah, generally. It depends, though. It depends how how long it takes. You know, like it, it varies. I would say it's um, much more manageable, yeah. but it's different because especially like during the winter, you have to go out like every, you know, three or four hours and you got to bundle up and you got to like protect the dog's feet and you got to do a bunch of stuff. So there's and there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to do, especially because you're in the city, you know, middle of Chicago with a dog. It's tough. There's no just like, okay, let the dog out and, you know, do its business. You can't do it. I was visiting some friends in Denver a few years ago and they had, um, it was like on top of their apartment complex or like somewhere up there in downtown Denver. They had, they had just artificial turf and like an artificial dog park. Yeah, that's great. It it was pretty cool. It was pretty, I mean, I imagine you almost have to have something like that in, in the city. Well, I couldn't right. imagine being in a high rise. That would be terrible because then you're taking an elevator to let your dog out each time. <laughs> oh Man, no, that's that's a nightmare. That does but, sound absolutely terrible. But I don't have it that bad. But but there's a lot of effort. There's a lot of effort. But it, it is it is good training. I will say having a dog really does sound like good training for having a child because the potty training aspect is just very very similar. And that's that's where I draw the line. I'm a cat person. My cat person, yeah. much right, always been my entire sure. life. So I've had it easy because cats just don't care. Yeah, they don't, they they, don't care for all the right reasons, right? They're, they're just their own beasts. They're their own own domain. Give them six weeks and they potty train themselves, right? That's like, it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the way to go. Yeah, I do, I don't want a two year old, especially since I've had three different two year olds, or sure. two and will be having a third two year old. I don't want a two-year-old for the next 13 years of my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want a dog that's going to, I'm going to have to take out every single night for the next 13 years. That just sounds crazy to me. That sounds crazy. Yeah. I've done enough diapers. Yeah. So it's Steven. The day my last child is potty trained, this third one is going to be the last one yes. because I'm getting a snip snip before the end of the year. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, it's happening. Um, I'm very excited. Smart man. The the week after my last child is fully potty trained, I am throwing the biggest banger of all time, man. Alcohol galore. Oh yeah. Kind of like you know, I'm gonna bring in, <laughs> I'm gonna bring in a hundred bottles of vodka, and invite everyone I know. I'm gonna invite all go. you know, four thousand, five thousand of my Twitter followers. We're just all gonna drink <laughs> tons of vodka, and we're just gonna live it up, just like you were wow. doing in Prague. Where, where, where is this wedding in Eastern Europe? Moldova. More, Moldova. That sounds so much cooler. Chocolate heaven over there. Tell me. 
you know, I'm talking about kids and babysitting, the most boring eight minutes of any single person's life. Um, <laughs> you went to a wedding with a vodka um, waterfall, or a vodka fall. So tell me about it, man. How, how, was, how was the wedding experience? <laughs> so the wedding was crazy in and of itself. So picture this. You arrive on Thursday night. Uh, the wedding's on Friday. On Thursday night, you are escorted essentially to the hotel rooftop where everyone is drinking a bunch of wine and taking shots and uh the groom and the bride are there and we're more just meeting everyone in the bridal party and everyone uh, that are there so that's the first night that i arrive in moldova and obviously you get drunk because they're just feeding you shots and giving you jaeger and you're just pumping all along right they got the entire time (laughs) They got really excited because a lot of the uh, European friends of the groom uh, had never had a Jaeger bomb. So it's like, we're going to do Jaeger bombs. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> so that, that was a crazy night, right? So that was first night. Uh, are, everyone's hung are, over. You, are you not jet lagged at this point? How are you feeling the jet lag? I mean, so this was day, what, seven oh, in Europe? Right. So that's I'm, right. I'm okay. Okay, okay. So okay. I'm okay at this point. And then, uh, so the next day on Friday is where the actual uh like reception for the wedding actually takes place so go around with the wedding party you're taking pictures and stuff and then you i got to witness the negotiation of the bride (laughs) so this is like old school tradition man the groom shows up at the at the bride's house and has to like barter with the (laughs) bridesmaids to like bought purchase the wife it's like i brought you these presents um and then the bridesmaids were just like we want cash and like i had to give away 40 dollars to help purchase the groom's bride did you know, did you know this was gonna happen i had no idea they, they really were just relying on their really rich american cousins i dude i don't know what they were gonna do otherwise can, so can i just tell, yeah this is gonna sound so terrible it's just such an ignorant american <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna sound like the most ignorant American. The only frame of reference I have at all right now yeah. in my mind is Borat. Yeah, it's I mean, it's just. <laughs> so it wasn't like it wasn't like Borat crazy, but like at a certain point in the negotiation, uh, what I think was the um, maid of honor pulled out a knife and stuck it in the door <laughs> because the money that we had presented was not enough yet. So it was, I mean, it's all like a joke thing, you know, but it, it was like, okay. it was still terrifying. So it, it is a joke. Actually, you know, it's funny. I was watching, um, England was having, mm. was England's parliament was having their like introduction. Welcome back to parliament after, mm-hmm. after some break time. And one of the traditions when they're welcoming back parliament in England is the queen sends a representative to go and, and tell the parliament Essentially, that like, I'm not going to overstep my boundaries. I'll let you do whatever you want. I'm right. the I'm the monarchy, but I'm not over overpowering you guys. And the tradition is this representative follows the last member of their parliament into their chambers. Okay. However, as soon as the last person in parliament enters, and this is this is a tradition they show on national television. It mm-hmm. was on Twitter. Last person enters parliament, the representative stops at the door, and the representative 
has to slam the door in front of the queen's representative that she sent. <laughs> the last person in parliament has to slam the door. And then they open it back up immediately. Yeah. But and then the the monarchy's person walks in and says and says all the things they're supposed to say about hey you sure. guys. And I saw it and it was the most ridiculous thing because it's like everyone's marching super official yeah. super officially and then they stop and then poof, they slam the big ass like three hundred year old wooden door just right in this this poor lady's yeah. face. Yep. It's just so English. It was just so yeah. European. Like everything about it was just so European, right? Yeah. Just like all the traditions. That's, yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, so yeah. So they they got you for some money. You, you know, yeah. it, was, it was all a ruse because they knew this guy had American. Your cousin had American. It had to be. There. It had to be. Yeah? That's it. Then the uh, luckily, I I you know had spent most of my actual cash all around Europe before we got to Moldova. But uh, but I'll talk about that after. But so yeah, after the negotiation. Um, and man, I must've been one of like 10 people who spoke English at the wedding. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty great. Um, but so then we go to the actual reception starts at like 6 PM. Um, obviously it's away from the actual hotel. Uh, at what time do you think the cake was served at this wedding? Okay. I, I don't want to oversell my guess, but, but my, my initial thought is, oh, it's Europe. Everything, I've learned this about Europe, everything in Europe happens like way later than the expected yeah. time, right? Yeah, so yeah, what, yeah. what time did you say the reception started or the, or the wedding started? It was like 6 p.m. That's when people started like arriving. Oh, for the wedding ceremony. Correct. And it like officially started, well, sorry, it was mainly just like the reception part. It okay. started at like 8 p.m. you could say. Oh, it was reception. like the official start time, yeah. Okay, so 9.30, right? Cake was, cake you're saying cake at 9 30 Cake at 9 30 you would think a, sol at, a solid 90 minutes yeah yeah you know cake was at 3 a.m <laughs> it was a four course meal and i'm telling you what dude they filled this giant round table like 10 person round table vodka no just food <laughs> and, and we're like oh my god we will never eat this much food and then one of the guys was like oh this is just the appetizers and I, it is literally all the food that you would ever need for 10 people. And it's just, it just kept coming. It just kept coming. And then they're like, get up and dance. And then they had, they had dancers there. They had a live band. Um, I learned a bunch of Moldovan dances. I'm a dancer. Uh, I'm a dancer. I feel like I would have fun at this wedding. You would have a lot of fun. They really, like, they thought my dancing was goofy. There was this like 70 year old Moldovan guy who thought I was like, the best person in the world he like kept bringing me different shots of things and was like i don't know what his deal was but he like he just thought i was funny but uh so malort is a or not malort what am i saying that's chicago um oh my gosh i can't think of the it's like brandy you, you uh do you know what kind of alcohol is oh i gotta look this up i'm sorry but so i thought vodka was going to be like the main thing that people would drink and it wasn't they were um cognac was just all they were drinking bunch yep. of cognac okay okay that's and terrible it is just rough i had one glass of it and i was like i'm just sticking to champagne and vodka and uh and i drank a ton of water so reception doesn't end we're stranded 
we have cake at 3 a.m., which is delicious because at this point I'm just chugging cappuccinos and vodka, and it's just a weird time. And okay, first- you've, en- you've entered the zone. You've entered yeah. the zone of just, like, weird, right? Yeah. I'm just, like, buzzed and just, like, tired and just everything's happening. And the first shuttle back to the hotel comes at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> 4.30 a.m. So that's uh, – and that was my birthday that morning. So uh, go back to the hotel, wake up, get a massage at the hotel – well, and then that's they, not a bad way to say yeah and then and then they have another celebration the next day called hangover day the sober one right the sober the sober nope. celebration nope <laughs> they bring you a giant bowl of soup and you're like oh, okay i'm just gonna have soup and sober up it sounds delicious and, and then they just bring out the cognac and bring out the vodka and they're like you have to finish all the alcohol and i'm just like are you crazy and there was more dancing it was admittedly a more chill uh celebration the next day because half the people were passed out essentially but um but man it was it was wild it was an experience they they take their wedding seriously over there and that was that was after we had spent seven days in uh prague budapest and vienna so you must have been dying at that point (laughs) it was it was a marathon of a vacation uh, but it, it was a lot of fun, man. It, what, was, it was. Before I ask you more questions, how how soon after the wedding did you fly back? Um, so that final celebration, the uh, soup day, the hang- hangover day, uh, that ended at like ten thirty or eleven, and we flew flew back to Chicago at like seven a.m. So. Oh my gosh. So I, I, I stayed sober the uh, on the hangover day. I uh, did not, you know, go go too far that night because I don't want to fly all day, you know, hungover. So, so thankfully I was I was um, doing all right on the flight back. But I've been jet lagged. I was jet lagged for like four days straight. Yeah, and then sure. I yeah. and then I ran a 10k and <laughs> and now I'm all I'm all back. But uh, are you all the way back? I, I you think so? But I uh, in uh, Prague. <gasps> wait, 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 wait! I just see the logo. That's 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 the team that's playing in the Champions League this year. That's a uh... no, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, that's the other one. Spark Prague, dude. Okay, okay, you're showing me a scarf right now. You're bringing, yes. bringing back a scarf. Yes, yes, I'm showing a yes. scarf that I got in Prague. It is AC. Uh, Sparta Praha, I, the oldest I'm about club to in uh, in Prague. Dude, Steven, I'm about to blow your mind. They they're play, they're totally playing in the Champions League this year. No, they are not. It's a different Prague team. I'm telling you. What? I'm telling you. There's another Prague team that is like killing it right now, and they're in the Champions League. Because I was looking up to see if they were going to play. It's I'm I'm telling you. And you're the soccer guy here, David. Well, he, okay. He is, he is typing I am, furious. Though they can definitely hear my, my mic is definitely picking them up. What? Yeah, it's a different prog team. I, I am I am very furiously looking this up. So it's a different. Okay. I mean, so this is like the like most famous prog team though. Okay, the so, other team that's in the Champion League oh, is like well, they're in the European League right now, the Europa oh, League, which is actually pretty impressive. So basically, they're the they're the Michigan of. Um, 
Prague. Czech yeah, Republic is what you're saying. They're, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite the best, but the best tradition. I see, I see. Right. It is. Well, okay. So so the other Prague team is it was infamous this past year because they got grouped with they're in the group of death. Like it's them yes. and then like three other teams and their their front office staff during the draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You heard you heard about it. Okay, good enough, good enough. That's yeah, awesome, man. I love the scarf. I know. That That's was really my cool. uh I, I hadn't picked up a uh, souvenir from from Prague and then it was like last minute to go to this game uh before we had an overnight train to Budapest and we and it was just like, all right, I'm going it, it was actually during the Iowa game. I was actually at the uh at the uh Prague I forget who they're playing, some other team. Better choice. Better choice, Steve. Hey, and then uh made it to the train station and caught the final five minutes of the Iowa game. So You made the correct decision. Yeah, it was it was the right way to go. Tell me now, soccer, is it not awesome in the fact that like it's just bang 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 boom 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 oh my gosh man i couldn't tell you how refreshing it was to just be like it starts and then it's like oh it's at like 45 47 minutes whatever and then okay they're gone for 15 20 whatever minutes and then uh okay we're back for another you know 45 minutes and then you're done dude i i know that like American football is greedy, and that's why there's so many commercials. But if we can find a way, throw sponsorships on every jersey, throw it all over the field, figure it yes, out, heck yes. and I will support that format 900,000 times before I ever want to watch another commercial Dude, on college give, football. Give, give me sponsors on the helmet, jersey, and Seriously. field. And give me a smaller screen with advertisements around Seriously. The, the camera. If you give me a two and a half hour football game as compared to a four and a half hour football game, yeah, I'm all I'm in. There. That's what. Um, so, so I've been to two soccer games at, at the big house: uh, mm-hmm. Real Madrid versus Chelsea, and then Liverpool yep. Man United. I went to both those. Tailgated, just like a Michigan football game. I mean, yeah. the entire time tailgated. Went to the went to the soccer game both times. Same exact experience as a Michigan football game in terms of tailgating and then go to the game. Both times. I mean, you're in and out in two and a half hours, and you right. have you have energy afterwards to go and, like, party and have fun, man. Like, right. it was a blast. Like, Michigan, yeah. Michigan football games are just such a drain. Like, they're just such a drain. It just takes so long. It's, like, an entire day. Like, that is five hours. Like, not including a drive. Yeah. You know, just walking into the state, like, parking, and then driving into the stadium or sorry, walking after you parked, then walking back to your car, that alone is five hours plus your drive. You're looking at like seven hours for most people yeah, just poor, for a football game. Poor people listening to this podcast right now going to the Notre Dame game tonight. <laughs> uh, the game starts at what, 8.39? Yeah, and it's going to rain the entire time, dude. It's That's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. That sounds terrible. That sounds... Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Have fun. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, hey, it, it it's traditional. You know, I, I remember my first... I know, it was my second freshman uh, game that I saw was 2011 Under the Lights, the uh, Denard to Roy Roundtree in the end zone. So that was... Man, Lucky that was dog. Like, that was one of my favorite, like, to this day, favorite experiences in Ann Arbor. Um, hugged so many strangers. So it was great. Um, but... uh. What a, what, yeah, a, what a blessed uh, year. That, that was yeah. the, the last year we've been truly... We, we, I yeah. That, that, was the last, that was the last time Michigan actually like won 
most of their 50-50 games. Yeah. Like yeah, that was a, a I would say a very lucky year, but uh but well, they had something. The one thing about Michigan football that drives me crazy since we're we're moving to the psychology portion of the <laughs> of the podcast. It's just like no matter what happens, Michigan just Years, years and years and years, lean on like 20 years, more often than not, they lose the 50-50 battles. Yeah. Like of every, of the plays. Of the, mm-hmm. And like, I can't, I can't attribute it to anything but luck. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't, I can't mentally conceive of just like the, the consecutive amounts of like seemingly 50-50 battles, yeah. plays, et cetera, et cetera, that are just consecutively lost. It just blows my, 2011, is really the last time I remember truly just like everything going right. Yeah. For once. Yeah. Everything went Michigan's way. I mean, for you're sure. playing Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, like, how yeah. how lucky can you get there? Right. right. And then, like, the, I remember the tipped pass in the end zone. I think, was that to Funches or who was that yeah, to? Well, I, it was just crazy. Like, it was just some crazy touchdowns. And, in that and game. if it wasn't for Iowa and Kinnick Stadium. Yeah. I mean, because of course. Because of course. Yep. Yeah, man, that's 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 a good memory to have. Two thousand eleven, hold dear and near and dear to my heart. That was the uh, surprisingly enough the only year in college that I bought season tickets for football. You you did well. I know. You I, are I, a genius. I <laughs> you I saved myself a ton of pain and another decision. So I made that decision mainly just because I was busy, right? Because I was busy. I was well, okay. One side side. Bar. Yes. Yes. You've soberly made up for it by watching every game since three or four times. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Since graduating, I, I watch on average probably every single game three times, if not more. So yeah, I I, uh, I hate you. Time. I hate you for the way that you should be hating yourself. That's fair. For, I'm hating you for yourself. Yes, that's good. Someone asked. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, oh shoot, what was I gonna say? The crazy thing. Yeah, I was just working during that time, so I was just busy. The um, I, you totally derailed me. Oh, I'm gonna punch that's, you in the that's, face. That's what I'm here for, man. <laughs> it's 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 night. We're recording at night. Yes. To post a morning podcast. It's true. For you and your night football game. That's it. Right? So that's that's kind of where we're at right now. We're just we're yeah. just shooting, we're shooting from the hip tonight because we want to talk Michigan. We want to talk football, even though we haven't in the first 26 minutes. But also at the same time. We've read the room. We're reading mm-hmm. the room. You know what the room is saying, Stephen. Stop. <laughs> Why was I born a Michigan fan? Why? Oh, the the amount of apathy in the Michigan fan base is an unbelievably high level right now. And to be frank, I feel it. Like I'm there. I'm there. I'm there yeah. because it just things are just literally working out in the worst way possible in, like, every single avenue you could possibly ask for. You know, Shea actually looks like a competent quarterback. Yeah. They, Michigan plays, I mean, take out the first quarter, and Michigan arguably plays like a top-ten team. Right. For almost the entire game. One turnover the entire game. You know, one drop pass away from beating a top-ten team. Or at least, you know... All things considered, Michigan dominated that game in the same way they've dominated the home games against Penn State over the last three right. years, right? Yeah. And yet we still lose the game. There's just, there's just like nothing. Nothing ever seems to fit the narrative of Michigan. Yeah. Except, nothing fits the narrative except for the wins and losses. 
Right. That is that that's the way that's the way it feels. It's like it's like okay, Michigan's probably going to lose this game to Penn State because the offense is just not very good. Shea does not look good. Gaddis is underperforming. So they're going to lose the game. And what happens? They lose the game, but the offense actually looks pretty darn good. Yeah, they fi- they figured a lot out. They they how many screens do they run? Before the Penn State game and then during the Penn State okay, game. Okay, liter- literally zero. Yeah, I was going to say it had to be at least 10 times more. And it was refreshing. It opened up a bunch. The offense has went from looking so painful. Like it, it's so painful to watch because you, you have so many weapons. You could just see that there are a lot of ways to, uh, I don't know, like, other, watching other teams and just how effortless you go down the field, that's how it started feeling when you just throw a screen press pass to Ronnie Bell and he picks up eight yards like it's nothing. And then you run and do, do a fake to the screen and pick up, you know, seven yards with Charbonnet. And it just it started looking like that sort of effortless feel where it's just like, yeah, we're just taking yards here. Like we're, we're actually spreading the field. We're actually operating in space and not putting a, a – uh, a hammer into a screw, can, you know, can, <laughs> like things that just didn't make sense. Can I go meta on on that point you just made? You're gonna just because you know I think I think people mostly have have digested the Penn State game by this point, right? I think that's a great point you just made. I'm, I'm willing to hear more. I I don't want to be an optimist. I'm, mm-hmm. I naturally am an optimist, but also Michigan's maybe the worst pessimist. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be an optimist because I've been just I'm always just slapped down hard by the hand of the Michigan hating football gods. Yeah. Um is there the chance that A Gaddis was saving it all to try and, and beat Penn State, you know, because you know he has the ties back to Penn State and James Franklin. Mm-hmm. And second, that in previous years with the Harbaugh, the football team has really thrived and succeeded early on. You know, I think even last year, losing to Notre Dame in the first game of the season was just an outlier compared to the rest of the season until yeah. Ohio State. Right? right? Like, right. the first game of the season, no matter who you play, is a crapshoot. It, it yeah. doesn't matter which team you are. It's just a crapshoot. And it usually doesn't matter for whatever your aspirations that season yeah. are. So, so a week one loss doesn't mean anything. Ohio State and Virginia Tech 2014. There you go. For example. Yep. So, so, Harbaugh's teams have always thrived the beginning and the middle of the season and always ended so poorly. Mm-hmm. So I think by watching Wisconsin and then seeing Penn State and just how bad we've looked at the beginning of the season, fans have taken the baseline first four years of Harbaugh and been like, okay, well, the first four years of Jim Harbaugh are any indicator. The team peaks early and then falls off a cliff at the end. Right. So if we're at this level right here at the beginning, it's just only going to get worse. Yeah, which is reasonable and might very well happen. Notre Dame is the ultimate litmus litmus test for this, so this might be all moot by you know midnight uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. So, is there a chance though that this team, after the Penn State game, the offense gets a little bit more confident? Is this a team that could have their quote unquote lull in the middle of the season and actually start riding higher and higher and peaking towards the end of the season for once? Is that something that could happen? That's kind of like best case scenario. 
me in my meta kind of picture of it. Maybe the yeah. offense actually does start coming together. Does Shea yeah. actually start playing like a competent quarterback every single game? Does Josh Gass actually put athletes in space and, and let them speed around everyone? Mm-hmm. Watching and breaking down the offensive game film against Penn State, am I crazy? Was that whole two-minute rant off or not? I don't think so. I don't okay. think you're crazy. I think it's. Um, I need everyone. To, I need. I need someone to tell me that every once in a while. Just, I, it feels I, good. I think it just proves that the uh, the off season offensive redirect, you could say, or whatever installation of the new offense was a failure. And, and I think you can um, pretty confidently say that. And we're seeing a change now when there are more people in the room. So I feel like Gaddis's offense was so different than what the staff had been doing last year that they just gave him the reins. Like, you're going to take the direction here. You're going to install this. And I think Gaddis just needed more support. And that affects your creativity. That affects the effectiveness of your position coaches. And I think Penn State was finally the time where a lot of things started coming together. The offensive line looked phenomenal. Think of all the the pass protection issues, how how just uncomfortable Patterson was in the pocket. And then in the Penn State game, he looked very not only competent, but also confident and very calm in the pocket, stepping up. The offensive line picked up so many very, very difficult stunts, usually tougher than what Wisconsin even threw at Michigan. You and know, they did perfect. I can they did s- exceptionally I can, well. I can see why and how Ed Warner earned his way into a co-offense coordinator position at Ohio State. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I see it. Yep. And, of course, he he kind of failed miserably in that sure. position. Kind of got demoted again back to just offensive line coach and mm-hmm. then coached into a national title. So that it, it's such an interesting thing because it seems like if he's the number two guy in an offensive staff, number three guy in an offensive room, like – He's just he's great at what he does and be, yeah. being able to dictate what he wants to do. It seems yeah. like he might be the perfect mentor for a guy like Josh Gaddis, who, yeah. who co- comes in without the offensive line experience, right? But but like the outside speed and space, quote unquote, stuff. Mm-hmm. Together, that could potentially be a beautiful marriage. Yeah. And so, yeah. So and I think it had to be. It should have been to start. For how angry I was during the Penn State game, just because like it felt like you knew what was going to happen. You yeah. just knew. You just knew, you, like it didn't matter. You just knew that Michigan was going to lose the game. I don't, I don't care how positive of a fan you are. Like that's just how I felt. I came away from it forty-eight hours and two hours away after it being like, okay, well, this sucks. But maybe is there really hope? Yeah. Is there and, yeah. and and maybe this is just the part that Michigan keeps on calling me back. It's the siren song of Michigan football. <laughs> You know, oh, look at this beautiful winged helmet over here. Yeah. Maybe it'll lead me to glory. Oh, wait. Just I feel like this this season has kind of broken a lot of people. And uh, I think it's fair because we're already at a point where we need a lot of help for Michigan to uh, even compete for a, a Big Ten championship, right? You need, you need Penn State to lose a couple times. You need Ohio State to lose once, which good luck the way they're looking. And then you need Michigan to to win out, right? Outside of Notre Dame, that's what you need to to get a Big Ten title. So it's so like we're already going into this Notre Dame game, and a lot of people are deflated, you know, just because all of that 
just happened. Now, deflated, where, deflated is the perfect. Yeah. So it's like I, I usually try to, you know, like I'm looking into at this time of year, like last year, I was like, oh, I should make like a Michigan State hype video. And then I'm like starting to put together stuff for an Ohio State video. Your, your whole piece about not making hype videos anymore, Stephen, <clears throat> I supported and approved of 100%. Yeah. It's, it's just and not it, worth it right now, right? Well, there, it's not worth it. It's not what the fans are feeling. How many people are going into the Notre Dame game like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, this is like, Sparta. Ah. This is Ann Arbor. Yeah, like no, no one, no one's feeling that right now. And then also, it's just like, I don't know, man. It, it's getting old. Where I, I never try to use the same audio bite twice. And um, I don't know when, when you're feeling a lack of creativity, and then everything you're reading, everything you're seeing, is just exactly like you said, like a, a deflated fan base. It's really tough to get up. And I feel like we're, it's just going to be the rest of the season, regardless of uh, unless things really go Michigan's way um, and you're competing at the end of the year against Ohio State for a, a shot at the Big Ten championship. I still feel like people are going into that game very, very pessimistic because 2018 was the most optimistic that I've ever seen people heading into that game. And it turned out to be one of the worst games I will probably ever attend in so my life. It's, so. the, it's a combination of that Ohio State game last exactly. year plus this year's start. It's just like yeah. there's, there's just no energy left in, yeah. in the bank. And that's the problem is like even the even the last line of enthusiastic fans are just not feeling it right now. Yeah. Um, and that's a, I mean, that's a major problem in Michigan where they have the largest fan base. You, you, f- you feel it. You feel the first wave of fans when they turn, and then, and then you especially feel that last wave of fans. Yep. Um, and I, I don't think the last wave of fans have turned by any means, but it's just like, it's just exhausting. You, you yeah. Definitely, you definitely said it right. Speaking of exhaust, I'm going to make a crazy transition. You so do it. Go, go for it. No, no, no. You, you go ahead. Finish up your, your point. The last thing I have yes. to say about this, like, by the way the season has worked out, mm-hmm. in the best case scenario, I don't care about. I literally don't care about anything else. We could go what we're five and two right now, six and two. Five and two, yep. Five and two, we could go. We can go one and six the rest of the way, but if that <laughs> if that one is Ohio State, I literally oh don't God. care. But this, so, but this is what I'm saying. This is the yeah. fir- this is the first time in the Harbaugh era where everything is off the table. Yeah. Everything is off the table by week seven. By Technically week, not, week, but yes, I'm with you. Everything is off the table by week eight. Sure. Like it sure. is. It is. I don't like. We're not. Yeah. But. I mean, I mean, technically not, but whatever. I don't. Right, I'm with you. So here's the thing: everything's off the table for the first time in the Harbaugh era. Mm-hmm. Literally everything, except for fucking beating Ohio State. <laughs> that, and that's and and that is everyone. I think I think it's the secret that's officially out. I think everyone's realized it. It's it's not jealousy as much as it is just like I mean, it's a healthy jealousy, and it's also mm-hmm. just like, look if. If if we're not going to do this national title thing, that's fine. But we have to at least beat Ohio State. Like that yeah. that is that is the baseline. Like you have to beat Ohio State forty five percent of the time. Do you know how pissed I would be if Michigan is what six and six going into that game, or like even five and seven going into or whatever well, yeah, it would five be. Five and six, five and six, six five and, five, and six five going and six. into that game, 
Ohio State is undefeated, and that is the one year that Michigan beats Ohio State. Are you kidding me? 2016, no. 2018, where you're looking like a playoff contender. Even I... the other years, dude, it would be – here's the thing. I'll relish anything you can get against those guys. I, I will, you know, I'll celebrate just like the rest of them. But that would be so fitting that the year that it, it like you said, it, everything's off the table. That's the year you beat them. Oh my god! Well, if you, if I would lose it. If you're gonna look at the hardball track record, Stanford really didn't get going until they finally upset. They were four nine point underdogs to USC, and they they upset them, right? Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Har- hardball plays well as an underdog. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play well in 50-50 matchups where where the other team is expecting you to be at your best. That's I mean even in the NFL you know the 49ers yeah. Seahawks rivalry et cetera et cetera. Yeah. It's it's when the other team overlooks a Harbaugh coach team. Mm-hmm. That's when Harbaugh can really bite them in the butt. Yeah. And that's it, fair. if you bite them in the butt once, then that's when the motive you know. If you beat Ohio State once, it's at least in their minds and it's in your minds that's real. That's fair. And that's that has to I don't know how I don't know how it happens. I don't know when it happens. Yeah. I really doubt it happens this year, but like if it's ever gonna happen, and it might happen, you know, look at the nineties. If you look at the nineties under the Cooper era, Cooper era and Lloyd Carr, people because Lloyd Carr won the one national title in nineteen ninety seven. And and Michigan had two Heisman winners. I think it it corrupts the way people look at the nineties. Yeah. But in reality, Ohio State had a national title contender. Yeah. For literally half the decade, at right. least half the decade. And the thing yep. was, Michigan had a title national title contender twice. Right. Maybe even three years out of that entire nineteen nineties span. But what they did is they beat Ohio State, and they right. kept Ohio State from national titles. And then they got lucky one year. Yep. And that's and that's what it is. Is yeah. And that and that's the dynamic right now of Michigan and Ohio State. It, things are not equal. Mm-hmm. That's a lot like Alabama and Auburn, where Alabama and Auburn are the biggest rivals, but Alabama has so many more resources. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just always going to be a little. Sideways. And it's really it's really hard to see Auburn right now, being, a more successful football program than Alabama. Just like Michigan, it's ask anyone with a brain, and they're not going to tell you that in the next five years, Michigan's going to be more of a powerhouse than Ohio State. It's just not going to be that way. But also at the same time, the same as Auburn with Alabama, it is set up where if Michigan can be ten and one going into an Ohio State game any year, and they beat Ohio State as the last game of the season, and sure, then, and then they win whoever. Whatever C plus team comes out of the Big Ten West, yeah, you're guaranteed a playoff spot just by beating yeah. Ohio State that last week. Same, I mean, every time Auburn beats Alabama, they're in the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, like seriously, how crazy? Like it's crazy that way, yeah. right? Like you set yourself up, but there's just there's that mental block. We all know the mental block. The mental block yeah. is like they're beyond. Like you don't even understand how it's possible. Yeah. Speak, speaking of not understanding how it's possible. All right, all right. Double transition at this point here. I like it. David DeJulius went seven for eight in his scrimmage against, uh, who was it? University of Detroit Mercy. 
this was, I think, two nights ago that game was. Seven of eight from three-point land. What what have we seen from David DeJulius thus far? Like, not a whole lot. Well, well, there there were rumors. I mean, like, not rumors. There were expectations that David DeJulius, DeJulius, is, is it DeJulius? I have no idea. We're about to do this with, uh, <laughs> who, who was the football player again? Uh, oh. uh, uh, Mr. Lateral Movement. Um St. Ristol? No. No, Giles. Giles Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Giles. Giles. It's Giles Jackson. It is Giles. It is Giles. Yeah, okay. It, uh, like Jeff and Giff. It's definitely Giff. <laughs> it's definitely, it's it's Giles, but it's Giff. That's uh, it. Yes, that's, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michigan won by like seven points, which is a little scary, but it's a scrimmage. And well, you, don't, you don't have Wagner. You don't have... Uh, which isn't that weird? Hold on, I just got like some crazy flashback. I mentioning Wagner on the team again. That's I, pretty cool. I had no idea you were gonna go basketball on me, and I was hesitant <laughs> to bring up basketball because I didn't know if you're a football only guy. I oh mean, no, bas- basketball is my sport. That's I mean I'm a five foot nine white guy, but uh, <laughs> best point guard you could possibly ask for, man. Oh, okay. that, that's where we'll I am. See. We'll see about that. I, I I played basketball growing up. I know a better point guard than you. Don't worry about it. Oh, I played, I played high school basketball. He oh, played high school worth. basketball. Oh, well, all right. He played college basketball. I did not. <laughs> but I'm still five foot nine. That's true. I'm still a white guy, so That's true. cards if are I, stacked. If I have a pickup basketball game, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Oh, you definitely should call me. You definitely should. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, like, I, I tell people this, I'm good. I, I, my wife kind of rolls her eyes. I'm like, hey. I'm good at basketball. I got like I I know I'm five foot nine, but just trust me you on can it. Do it. Yeah, I'll I can call do you it. at uh I'll call you at I have a three a.m. Uh, rec league. I think are you up at that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You looked at me like it, I'm a crazy person. <laughs> so it's Chicago. So any oh, anything right. could be possible. I don't know. Yeah, don't gym know. time. You know, you gotta get the court when you can. Uh, you I, mean, I mean, I will definitely be the best three a.m. Point guard, for sure. No, no doubt about it. You're used to it. Yeah, so, you're used to being prepped. Um, okay, I'm, I'm definitely down to, um, to talk basketball. Yeah, you looked at me like <clears throat> I was crazy for that transition. Yeah, Seven for eight, 21 points. Five to three-point line, huh? That's pretty good. So, so, I mean, that's that's important this year because how mean, many how many shooters do we have? I mean, we, we got Nunez uh, okay. who started at three, and then you have Brooks. And Brooks can shoot a little bit, but if, if DeJulius can can step up into just like a confident shooter role, that uh, I mean Jordan Poole could drive, but but you need that. You need a sharpshooter off the well, bench. Well, if I mean if we can have Xavier be the starter, the defensive stud. Oh yeah. And we have DeJulius coming off the bench as like a as like a microwave there. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot. I mean even. Because it's college basketball, you could put DeJulius at the two if he's going to be that big of a contributor. I mean, who oh, knows? Yeah. Who knows, right? But him at the two, with Xavier at the one, I mean, and Teske. I mean, that's the thing. with Between Teske and Wagner, mm-hmm. you have a lot of height that can shoot three-pointers. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is sweet mercy if we had John Beeline coaching this team. Because like, yeah. it's the one thing if, if we had – if imagine Mo Wagner – but shorter and more athletic yeah and better on defense yeah that's that's a really awesome it's like it's like you put Nick Stoskis, Charles Matthews and Mo Wagner together right like that's that's the potential combination there with with, with you could young see Wagner it. 
man, I'm I'm excited about Jerron Howard though. I think all the steps he's taken thus far are exactly what you want to see from someone taking over a new program. Um, love the hire of the now assistant head coach, uh, the old St. John's coach that he oh, brought Phil in. Oh, Phil Martelli, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's just a, such a smart move to bring someone with experience. He got Isaiah Todd for the 2020 class. I think he's number 15 overall uh, basketball recruit for that class. He's in on a couple other guys. Um so, yeah, I mean, jury's still out about, like, how he actually is as a head coach. We know he's a good positional coach because he was doing that and and growing pretty rapidly in his role uh, as, like, a big man mentor, essentially. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I wish he could have kept at least uh, – what's his face? Yeah, Yaklich on the defense. That's yeah, a bummer right. to, to miss that. But – um. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I expect a, a lot more losses than we should have this upcoming year, just because it'll be a very unstructured team. But uh, but I think I think you'll have Brooks at the one with uh with Simpson up there. So and, let, and that, yeah, let me tell you one of the things I learned through the Beeline era. Beeline when he first came to Michigan, his first hire and and most I think most important hire is he hired um, his main assistant was Jeff Meyer. Jeff mm-hmm. Meyer, infamously, is the guy who Tom Crean shook his hand and said, you ruined the Indiana basketball program. Yep. Because he was Indiana's main assistant um, w- w- during Calvin Simpson. However, he was a head coach at Liberty University. Yes, okay. yes, that Liberty University. Yes. But he was he a was head coach from 1981 until 1997. Okay. He, he was the head coach at, at a program, at a D1 yeah. program, for 16 seasons. Right. Right. And and I think when you're a head coach, especially a newer head coach like Juwan Howard, but even a beeline type head coach, any head coach, if you can have a number two guy who has consist a consistent track record of winning in a D1 program, it doesn't matter how, how big the program or how small the program, any any type of person that had head coaching experience and was a successful head coach. Which yeah. Jeff Meyer had a winning record at Liberty. Phil Martelli, I mean, led Delonte West and Jameer Nelson to an undefeated yeah. regular season record. I mean, that is a quality, quality, quality head coach in right. a recruiting hotbed. Those are the types of guys that really make or break a a basketball coaching staff. Yeah. And you think about just how how nice it has to be for those guys, right? Leading a, a basketball program for that many years, that's got to be taxing. It's got to be so tiring, so a younger guy like Juwan Howard, crazy saying younger, but you know, he, he is, I would say relatively young on average for a, a, a head basketball coach uh, at that level. So for him to come in, you know, super green, um, be able to, you know, he's eager, he's hungry. He can, he can do all of the tasks and all the things that as a younger, you know, aspiring head coach, you have more energy to do whatever. And just to have Mortelli, be able to be an advisor so you don't have to lead anything but you can just you know any red flags that come up anything that you can just fill in the gaps you can add your expertise without the stress of you know actually leading the team so that is such a like powerful person to have on the staff well, and just just the day-to-day coaching transition in college basketball yeah. right i mean i mean that's the thing Juwan howard is going to struggle i think with the x's and no's at least in the first couple of seasons which is totally understandable Right, mm-hmm. and ju- just the transition from the NBA to college basketball is just so different. I, I mean, I, 
Okay, so a couple years ago when the hashtag fire beeline train was all aboard, yeah, you know, before his last couple of super successful seasons, I was, I mocked, I mocked a lot of people on Twitter, yeah, but but very consciously I remember someone bringing up Juwan Howard, and I was like, no, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna fire beeline, you're not bringing in Juwan Howard, yeah, and that was about three four years ago, three four years later, he's definitely improved his reputation as a coach, and yeah. and it seems like with his experience on the AAU market, you know, kind of that whole scene. The future is just so, so, so bright. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. If if you can score one or two five stars every single year and, and you're, you're surrounding him with talent that is, you know, on par with what Beeline was recruiting – I mean, right. you you have a chance to win in different ways than Michigan won under Beeline, but yeah. like, but like you have a chance to always be successful, right? And especially with I think most coaches who follow that pattern, which is basically like the John Calipari light model of recruiting. There's a couple of different coaches who recruit like that and who coach like that, but they're not alumni of the of the schools they're coaching, right. and they normally flame out in four or five years, yeah, because they get in. NCAA violation troubles. They they uh right. the 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 booster you know fan base turns on them et cetera et cetera. They have to bounce mm-hmm. out. I, I'm thinking of um actually Rick Barnes might be the best comparison to Juan Howard right now. But I'm thinking of the guy who was at Tennessee and Cal and is now at Tulsa, Conzo Qu- Martin. Conzo Martin oh, okay. is like the perfect example of that. Right. Like yeah. Just just guy who recruits five stars, flames out. Pen- Penny Hardaway. We'll see where he is in a couple of years too. Because he's got Mem- he's got Memphis just going. Well, he's an alum, just like just like Juwan Howard, right? So that that's true. But but the difference is he's pulling in like a ridiculous <laughs> like seven five stars. I mean, yeah, he, he's like doing what Cal Party did. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Like, there's a big difference between between what Juwan Howard is doing because he has essentially, you know, maybe not as much as as. Um, Penny Hardaway in terms of like recognition, you know, but I mean, he was similar era and being a part of the fab five and like the starter of the fab five, no one has a stronger recruiting pitch than Juwan Howard right now. But there's a big difference between like pulling seven, five stars, like winning over North Carolina and Duke for like most of the people you're going for. And then what Juwan Howard is going to do, which is pull, two maybe three five stars and hold on to a couple really key recruits like that's really good for a new head coach coming in uh it's not egregious so we'll see what happens with with penny hardaway in memphis in a couple years but i mean knowing the ncaa they you know we'll see but nothing um, will happen essentially yeah yeah exactly i agree with you i'm glad we talked basketball tonight steven i was not i was not expecting the basketball I can't I believe you, you didn't know that I I follow basketball, man. How dare you, sir? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I I guess I wasn't sure if you were on it like that, considering how on it you are with with football. Although yeah, I, yeah. I guess I really did just recently learn how tall you are, so that's <laughs> that could have been a fair indicator as well. Um, all right, Stephen, that was good. That was a good talk. That was fun. One more fun basketball talk. If you guys are listening, you're gonna have fun. Hopefully, the football game, even though it's gonna be raining like a hurricane. Hey. You'll be dancing in the rain, you know. Let, let's 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 get there. Let's get past the uh, past the apathy, past the uh, fog that's over the program before the rain. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. I'm I'm tired. <laughs>
If you like pina coladas <laughs> and losing two top ten teams. Oh my gosh, hold on. Say if you like pina coladas, right? What's the next line usually? And, and getting losing the two ring? top ten teams. No, losing two Notre Dame. Notre Dame. It rhymes with in the rain. Oh, you're better at this come than on. me. Oh, like come on. Pina coladas. Bum, bum, and losing bum. two Notre Dame. If you like an inept offense and getting stuck in the rain, if if you're playing against Michigan State, if you like conservative offense at midnight, (laughs) there you go, you're getting there. We'll work on that next week. We'll we'll choose some (laughs) And defenses that always fail against top 10 teams. Yeah. Oh, that was rough. That was rough. I'll just cut that part out. It never happened. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Okay. No, I didn't either. My my mic cut out. You know, my my yeah. headphones don't work. We're here. <laughs> We're here. We're here. All right, Stephen. I want to let you go now before, yes. before I try to sing anymore. Yes, I need to. You need to you need to what, Stephen? I, I need to not hear you sing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. All right, good sir. I'm gonna. It's it's twelve ten right now. I'm gonna have a yeah. baby waking up in like two and a half hours. There it is. I'm not gonna know where I am. So on that note, have a good night, Stephen. Go blue. You too, buddy. Go blue.